0: Welcome back. We're excited to be back for a third series of In Faith and Doubt. Um, I'm Nij and I'm here with AJ. And uh, we are going to be getting into a lot of different topics uh, in this series. Today, I wanted to bring up the topic of church after COVID. Now, that doesn't mean COVID's completely gone and we're still watching the news and seeing all the developments Phew. and what's going on around the country and around the world, and we grieve. For those countries where they don't have the vaccine or where there isn't a, you know, a quick rollout. And so we pray for India and other places where, um, you know, there, there are a lot of people still struggling. But I've been enjoying the United States as part of privilege that I have. Um, just not wearing a mask, I was able to greet AJ here earlier this morning with a big hug and kiss. No, I'm just kidding. With a big, uh, with a big uh, warm hug. And massless, and um, so we're excited. We went on vacation this summer, and we've done lots of fun things with other people indoors and out. Um, but I wanted to bring up the topic of church, and probably we'll have several episodes on church as we continue this podcast, um, because that's a big part of our struggles with faith and doubt, our joys and struggles with faith and faith and doubt. But for today, uh, you know, I brought this topic up to AJ because it's something um, I've been thinking a lot about as just a churchgoer. I'm married to a pastor. My wife, Amy, is a pastor at a church in Portland. And um, I'm sure, AJ, this is true of your experience, probably, and other people out there who, are, you know, have been going to church throughout the years. Um, pandemic hits and, you know, we kind of cancel church for a couple weeks and then um, now we're trying to figure out what to do. So we buy a nice camera and we go online and we say, "Hey, watch our service." If you live in a warm place, maybe you're outside, but for most churches, you're going to do the the Zoom thing or the Facebook Live thing or the YouTube Live thing. And now people are watching church. And I remember that was that was okay. Um, I would play piano at home alongside the worship that was going on, and we were singing and things and. It was fun to be in our pajamas. Um, But then I think, AJ, you might have felt this. We got some Zoom fatigue. We got screen fatigue. And we didn't want to watch church. I remember there was a distinct morning where this was several months into the pandemic. And my kids are languishing and they're laying around and not coming to to our TV. And so I yell at them. I said, kids, get over here and watch church. And I just remember that crestfallen feeling that I just referred to church as something you Mm. watch. Mm. Um, And just realizing all the horrible things that go with thinking church is something that you watch. But sure enough for months at a time, this is the experience of quote unquote, what church is. It's watching a pastor speak. It's watching a worship team play uh, music, sometimes in separate houses, you know, trying to piece it all together, poor tech people trying to piece all that together. And it's watching announcements. And I got to tell you, I don't know if you're like me, AJ, but after six, eight, 10 months of this, I I was making breakfast and not really paying a whole much attention to what was going on on the screen just because I was was tired of it. I mean, I like Mandalorian. I like watching my TV, but trying to do church over the TV. um, Once people got used to this way of doing church, then it seemed normal to say, I'll just watch it later. I could skip it this week and maybe watch a little bit extra or I'll watch someone else's church. I know lots of people that did that, which is kind of fun. Be able to watch a church like my brother-in-law is a pastor in Michigan. We watched his service a few times. I've checked out a few seminary friends and their churches. But I'm wondering, AJ, and I want to I want to spend some time on this topic today. Um, you get used to church being a spectator sport, especially during COVID. Everybody's stressed out and it's just so comfortable sitting in your home in your pajamas with your, your own coffee, your own uh, breakfast food and watch church. But then maybe you skip a week or two and I'm not trying to make people feel guilty, but it's just easy to kind of skip when it's just something you click on and off. And now the United States is starting to open up and Oregon announced uh, recently, no more masks and things like that. We're going into summer and I've started going back to church, um, but I've noticed people aren't coming back. At yeah. least maybe they're cautious, but I wonder, and this is the topic I want to, to bring up, maybe uh, we you know, feel like we have gotten to a place of kind of growing out of church. I mean, hmm. we, we went before pandemic and then pandemic hit and we got busy and we started watching church and then we stopped watching church. And then you thought, I've kind of filled that space up. So that's got me thinking. I'm a seminary professor. I work with a lot of pastors. Can we do church the same? I think Mm -hmm. we're now, uh, we now are forced to rethink church Mm -hmm. now that so many millions of people have gotten on in their lives without church.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Can we go back to just, hey, come on back, everybody. We're back now. Come in the church and we'll just do it like we did before. Is that possible? Is that good? Uh, What what do we do? How do we think about church now that the pandemic has Cause us to really ask important questions about what church is.
1: Yeah, and and not all of it is. <clears throat> I suspect not all of it's bad, uh, in the sense that um, you you were sharing your experience of of of, of yell- yelling at your children and saying come in to watch TV. <laughs> yes. um, I had this experience of <clears throat> when when I was uh, on one Sunday morning was watching our church gather uh, online and. Uh, when we sing songs of worship and praise, it's pretty common for me that as a good charismatic, I raise my hands from time to time. My son is in the room. My dog is in the room. My wife is in the room. And I'm I'm raising my hands in worship and I'm finding myself feel really uncomfortable raising my hands. Yeah. I can't put my finger on it. Why is this? I'm a good charismatic. I raise my hands all the time. Why am I feeling so uncomfortable? And I and I and upon reflection, what I was uncomfortable with was that my son was in the room. Hmm. why am I uncomfortable raising my hands with my son in the room? Because I've been so used to my son worshiping in another room. He doesn't see me raise my hands. I had grown used to in the way we've been doing church that my son worships in a different place than I do, but now he's seeing his dad worship. Now, you know, in a sense, I guess I love that. I love for a, for a moment in time, we actually were together as a family, as awkward as it is. I love that my dog was on my lap during the transition prayer, you know, And, and that we're all together because we normally in American evangelical culture, we separate out according to uh, our ages and and whatnot. I mean, and you know, this as a, as a new Testament scholar, when Paul writes letters, he writes to children, implying the kids are in the room, you know, he writes to to children. They're in the room. This is, this is a new phenomenon that of families that are separated out to worship God. And for a moment in time, that was undone. You know, that was, that was, but, but, but here's what's happened. i I've, Noticed and seen at least a number of my pastor friends have reflected on people are coming back to church, but they're coming back very different. Yes. And they're coming back um, in many respects, having been, and I'm going to use the word radicalized by uh an entire world of ideologies. Um, and are coming back having, I think, a harder time. <laughs> being discipled by Jesus than they are by Tucker Carlson or NPR. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know when it was uh, at some point, somebody shared a a, a a Twitter link with me of they, a drone had captured a video of, um, uh, of, of Uyghur Muslims in China that were being put in trains and taken to essentially concentration camps. Re, they call them reeducation camps, right. which is a mass it's take, taking place right now in, in China, it's it's a it's a it's a human, it's an absolute crisis. What's happening? Millions of Uyghur uh, uh, Muslims are being deported, are being reeducated, being killed, slaughtered. It's mm-hmm. horrible. But there was this video that they were putting these Muslims in trains to take them to these essentially these re-educ- reeducation camps. Well, what's a reeducation camp? In a reeducation camp, they do two things. Number one, they separate you from the people that you love, mm. and secondly, they have you watch a bunch of videos. They reeducate what you think. They show you a bunch of movies. And I don't know if there's a better description of what's been happening in the last year. Yeah. We have been separated from the flesh and bones on the ground of people that we love, the communities that we're part of. Mm-hmm. And we've been watching Twitter.
0: Yeah.
1: And we've been watching Fox News and CNN. And essentially what's happening, we're coming back, but we, we have been radicalized in the last year. Yeah. And in, in a lot of respects, I think some of us have found that we love ideology more than we love Jesus. And Mm -hmm. so coming back to church actually becomes a threat to our worship of these other ideologies. So pastors right and left are saying people, it's almost like people are coming back as like radical, radicalized conservatives, radicalized liberals who have no space anymore to live alongside people that are different than themselves. So we've been reeducated in this last year and that the the effects are detrimental. And science plays a part of that. I mean, in the sense
0: that um, there's all this, you know, division now over masks or no masks. I, I was just driving down to be with AJ, and I was wearing a mask when I stopped at a rest area to go <laughs> to go to go potty, because not because of COVID, because I'm vaccinated and I feel perfectly fine, but because of my allergies.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I have really bad allergies, so I put on a mask. And I thought, like, what are people at this rest stop thinking of me politically? Yeah. You know, am I going to get like mobbed? Is it you know, am I going to get looks? And so it's, it's just, it's a strange thing that um, just like what you're saying, we, we can be in a group that we used to feel comfortable with. And now because of, you know, all that's gone on the last year or two, um, we start to look suspiciously uh, at one another.
1: Yeah, um, And, and one's absence or presence of a mask reveals the ideology you've been reeducated in the last year. So you, it's like, it's so funny, isn't it? How much Paul writes about face cover head coverings. Yeah. It's like, it's like the stuff matters, right? <laughs> that, that we, we, that presence or absence of a face mask reveals now your entire ideology of what you've accepted in the last year. I mean, goodness gracious, the division as a result of, of head coverings. Gosh, thanks Paul for writing
0: so many letters. <laughs> Now, now you know, in like a thousand years, people are going to look back at us and say, you know, what did face masks mean? Right, right, <laughs> <in their time. laughs> right, right. right. Um, just on the question of um, why church isn't working for so many people. Mm. Um, maybe now, I mean, maybe it's been this way for a while, but especially now. Um, let, let's set aside um, medical concerns for the moment. Um, my sense is, and maybe this is just in my part of the world, but people are not going back to church mm-hmm. um why do you think that is and and maybe that's a hard question to answer but but what what should what should we be thinking about that in terms of of yeah. of yeah. uh how God wants to uh to heal his people and to bring his people back together yeah
1: I I have long um, you've noticed this um Nije, have you noticed I of a, our culture our western culture in particular american culture is obsessed with the zombie apocalypse <laughs> it, or we we I should say we're obsessed with apocalyptic literature yeah um we love zombies we yeah. love um dystopian dystopian yeah. sort of stuff um there was a uh, an experience i had uh, two years ago when uh, there was a a national tragedy and that and that actual tragedy doesn't matter but there was this national tragedy and a number of my students Um, as a result of this tragedy, needed to take a day off for mental health reasons, which was completely understandable. I have a dark, very dark theory that we actually long for an apocalyptic event Mm. because it gives us an opportunity to step off the train for break. We're so tired. We're so tired. So when COVID hit, um, my students publicly were saying, this is horrible, it's bad, but quietly behind the behind the scenes were like, finally, mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. I can't keep doing this. And we utilize, they utilized, and I think we all did this to some degree, utilize a tragedy um, to actually get to the heart of what what had been going on in our life for a long time. And that, that that the tragedy essentially brought to the surface stuff that had been going, we've been overworked for too long and the pandemic brought forth that Rather than it just being about the pandemic. I suspect that the pandemic and people not returning to church is not a reflection on the pandemic as much as it's a reflection of it, it brings to the surface mm. long-term things that we sense in our heart um, is is wrong in and with the church. And you and I are both church guys. Yeah. So this is not a pointing the finger at pastors and saying no. that, that, that the church has, has failed, but you, you have to be pretty full hearted to not recognize there has been in the heart of the, the Christian in America, there has been a, a lingering sense that something is not the way God desires it to mm-hmm. be. So I don't, I don't, I don't suspect the pandemic gets all the blame. I think there's longer term things that just have gone unaddressed. You know, um, I have a family member who is a, a part of AA. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, this particular family member was telling me that when the pandemic hit, um, AA tried to move their stuff online. They tried to have Zoom AA meetings. Yeah. And um, it didn't work. Because there's one thing you can't do in a Zoom call—you can't smell. Yeah. And when you're a person in recovery, <laughs> smell is everything. It's important. Yeah. Because you, that's the only way you can tell if somebody's being truthful or not. Is is you know if they're drinking or or not. And there's we're supposed to smell at church. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. We're, there's supposed to be a sense of physicality to it. Yeah. And we know it. Um, for the longest time, Nij evangelicals have been using this metaphor. We've got to stop using it. This metaphor of you don't go to church; you are the church. Yeah. And it turns out people are actually doing that. We are we are not going to church because we think we are the church, and that's not the whole story. We aren't just the church. We also need to go yeah. to church. We're the church together. Too. Correct. Yeah. The united body around the broken blood and body of Christ. And the minute we can't smell anymore, something is fundamentally transformed in our, so to answer your question, Nij, this has been a long time coming. It's not, it did not just happen because of the pandemic. It has been exacerbated by the pandemic, but the pandemic doesn't get all the blame. There has been long-term stuff going on. Why that is, we can have a long conversation about that, but um, I think the pandemic brought stuff to the surface rather than creating the problem itself.
0: I, you know, let, let's talk a little about the doubt and disappointment dimension, since that's kind of the 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 kind of motif of the of the podcast. Because I, you know, I think for those who wrestle with doubt, which we which we all do, um, my sense is all the stuff you're talking about with news, fake news, politics, and the church. Um, I think one of the challenges with watching church. Is we're suspicious of who's behind that screen. Mm-hmm. We're suspicious of leaders. We're suspicious of their motives. We're suspicious of what they're hiding. We're suspicious of uh, you know why they're doing what they're doing and who decides. Um, I'm wondering just you know amongst you know sort of the doubters you know of the world, including myself, um, if it's if it's hard to actually just look at a screen and see a pastor talking and 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 maybe that triggers in us. Um, all the stuff that comes with yes. que- questions about power politics um who makes the decisions and that kind of thing
1: could could that be playing into this at all personality i it, it, there is no question that our uh, social media um in, invested world has done more to change the way we understand our leaders and our personalities and our celebrities that there's no way to underscore this enough. It has changed the entire. It's been a groundswell of change in terms of how we understand personalities, and and we all know this because we have this suspicion behind. Many of us have these suspicions of, like, okay, is this person in, in preaching because they want our money, or because they're they're needing followers on Twitter because they're building their own brand, or 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 something like that. Miroslav Wolf wrote a book called a number of years ago called Against the Tide. Yeah. And he actually argues that that, the personality crisis is one of the main reasons so many young people are leaving evangelical churches and going into Episcopal and mainland churches. Right. Because in the, for example, I, so many of my friends have become Catholics. Yeah. Well, in the Catholics, the centerpiece of the, 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 the church gathering is not the personality of the preacher. It's a sacrament. Yeah. The sacrament plays the central role gathering people we have a theological argument, Well, that's good or bad, but the truth is there's something in us that is running away from personality driven Christianity to a sacrament driven Christianity. And I understand that wholeheartedly, you can also go so far down the sacrament road that we essentially create a decetic Christianity that only seems human and it's, right. it, there's no humanity involved in it whatsoever. Um, but yes, th- th- there's, there's this, this lingering sense that is this person building their brand or are they seeking to, um, are are they seeking to lead us to an experience of the living God? You know, the Catholics during the pandemic had a bit of a crisis themselves because how do you do confession when you're not allowed to gather? And they actually created space for people to do confession uh, with uh, uh, honest, uh, I think the actual title they used was, uh, uh, they said perfect contrition. As long as you are honestly, truthfully sorrowful before God, you can be forgiven. Nice. Um, wow. So, <laughs> but, but I, I saw a drive by confession too. There you go. Yeah. you got all sorts drive of options. Through. I don't suspect Catholics are having the same challenge that evangelicals are having right now around the same thing. I don't, mm. I, I wonder because people never came for personality in the first place and they're not going to come back because of personality it has always been a, a sacrament centered experience and so you know it's parish or parish if if you're in the neighborhood you go to your particular your parish but this is this is yes entirely exacerbated by the fact that we know now all the dirt on all of the personalities uh everywhere we can know anything <laughs> yeah uh, you know I, that's why we love eugene peterson Uh, there's a reason we, we have fallen in love with Eugene Peterson post-mortem, even during his life, we fell in love with him. Cause you, you can tell when someone is building the church or building their brand. Yeah. You can tell the difference. The human soul can see the difference. Yeah. And we long for people who are desirous to build the church, not their brand.
0: Yeah. Well, we had that authenticity um, came through in his, you know, Books and and he wasn't one to kind of sell himself um, and and sell his quote unquote brand and all of that. Um, so you could see that with him, but um, you know, yeah, going back to the church after the pandemic. Someone some run by you. Um, I think one thing that I've kind of sensed uh, as a result of of how things have shifted with the pandemic is we had this ritual before of going to church. It was this kind of getaway. Mm. Um, you know, get away. It it was a ritual of the week where you get away from your normal things like, uh, your sports and your family activities and things. And you go to be together in this place and you do this really unique other thing, which is church with the singing and the worship. And it's, it's wonderful because it's this special time in this special place. And, um, I think a lot of people felt like though, with the pandemic life became so overwhelming, um, that, that escapism into church um, was not possible mm. and that you couldn't help but carry all the baggage and challenges um, of all that with you. And it makes me wonder um, if our churches need to be a place where we can do a better job addressing all of that baggage and, and those challenging things that we're going through. Because I feel like too often our desire to get back to church Is a desire to, okay, once we stabilize and iron out life, then we can free up the space to do this church thing. Mm. And the problem is we realized we have all this crap in our life. We're never going to be in a place where all that's gone Mm. to be able to do this kind of ritual thing. Um, And what I continue to hear from people, you know, for, for better or for worse is the church doesn't meet my needs. Yeah. Is, is that a legitimate criticism? I mean, I, I I can see it both ways. Is that a legitimate criticism to say, I am not. I don't go to church because it doesn't really meet my needs? How, you're, you've been a pastor for many years. How does that resonate with you?
1: <clears throat> well, you know, I, it's, I have a unique vantage point because for, you know, 20 years, I was a pastor, 10 years, church planter, and now I'm a church goer. And that yeah. transition from being a pastor to going to being a church goer. Uh, and and participating and sitting in the room, you get to experience both sides of it. So I find that I play the card that reflects where I'm at. When I was a pastor, when people would say that, I would say, you're just being a consumer. (laughs) Uh, I would say, you're just, you know, you're just being a pragmatic who only go places where you get stuff. But I find that now as a churchgoer, (laughs) I say in my heart often, why am I here? I could just listen to a YouTube video. Why am I here? I could dot, 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 dot. So I use, it's interesting. I use the same argument depending on whether I was a pastor or whether I was a churchgoer. Um, and, you know, Nije, our, our, our. I wrote about this in After Doubt. Our metaphors have betrayed us. Mm. I mean, we say things like plug into the church. Well, mm. to plug into the church means what? We're a utility. We're an iPhone. What do we do with pastors? We install pastors. Well, that's also what we do with um uh, stoves and refrigerators. <laughs> are utilities right our metaphor we have become our metaphors which of course all, all betray the biblical metaphors paul's but i think my favorite metaphor paul uses is the metaphor of the church's mystery mysterion mm. it's a mystery it's not something you understand it's and it's not something you get something out of it is right. a mystery you enter into um cs lewis's line is i think still should should sort of percolate uh in our, our hearts that um, we're, we're called to taste and eat, not taste and understand. The church doesn't always make sense, and sometimes we plug in and don't get charged up as a result. But but we're still called to enter the mystery. The mystery still uh, still matters. Uh, the, the mystery is something that you can't explain. You, you you enter into. So in answer to your question, depending on who I am, whether I'm a pastor or a churchgoer, I find a way to use the same argument depending on my own selfish needs. Um, yeah, consumerism has entirely upended what it means to be faithful to a community. And so we go from community to community to find the church that gives us what we want. Uh, St. Benedict in his, in his rule of life called those gyro vagues, people that just go and, and find the monastery that fits their needs. We've become church tourists mm-hmm. who find the thing that gives us what we want. I mean, do you see that in, um, in 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 your circle as well, that we just kind of go from place to place, finding looking for the things that fit our desires and wants.
0: Yeah, I do. But what's interesting is, um, I mean, maybe this is a Portland hipster thing, but you know, we've been talking a little about the church growth movement, and uh, just privately between us, and and the church growth movement said, hey, instead of going to the furniture store five miles away, go to IKEA you know, or go to that big, you know, big box furniture shop and buy, you know, buy it 50, you know, 50 miles away. Uh, and we did that with church. We said, you know, why go to your little mom, pa church when you can go to this great, you know, production that's, you mm-hmm. know, 45 minutes away. And I've been a part of several mega churches. I get it. But in Portland, there's a return now to local, yeah. Um, kind of the new parish kind of movement, which I value. Um, So yes, you want to go, you know, Uh, you know, at first you want to go wherever your needs are met, but I'm talking to more and more families that say, um, but if I go 45 minutes away, my kids are never going to know the other kids that are in Sunday school with them. Or um, we can't go to midweek stuff, or we're not really inspired to go to weekend event stuff. Um, And then if I'm driving 45 minutes each way, might as well just watch online, you know? So actually I've met several families that want to just find a, local church Hmm. um but then they are struggling with meeting the needs and now the new norm what i've heard is is going to church a couple times a month maybe that's an you know oregon thing but um you know i i i grieve and lament with the pastors because they're trying so hard to build a community yeah um and pandemic or not um people see church as one of 10 to 20 activities that are involved in their life yeah and um Going back to kind of the the question of, you know, what to do when you're struggling with doubt and disappointment, because I know the easiest thing to do is to just not go to church. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had several of those conversations recently with people, and I, I'm like you where I wouldn't use the word mystery, even though you just encouraged me to, and I like it. But, um, you know, there's a sense in which you participate in that community even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, and even when, uh, you know you may even have questions about, you know, just how useful it is to people and that sort of thing. But to be honest, you know, since, since we're being honest, AJ, uh, a lot of, a lot of what keeps me going is my kids, Hmm. I mean, I get lots of teaching through the books I read and, and through my academic community Uh, worship. I can listen to wonderful worship on the radio. Um, And in terms of fellowship and I'm, I'm an introvert, so I'm not really going to work the room at church. My wife really tries to prod me to go talk to people and check in with people. And I try to, I'm much more comfortable doing that over text or talking to somebody one-on-one rather than kind of work in the room after church. Um, So what really keeps me going is wanting to make sure my kids have a good church experience, um, hear us say positive things about the church. I do feel like attitude plays a big role in this.
1: Mm.
0: And if our attitude is sour and cynical, um, that's going to really color our experience with the church I don't want to say put on a happy face. We've been just talking about the importance of authenticity, but um, if you have an attitude of um, just seeing the best in what the church is trying to do, yeah. and I understand the need to find another church if the church you're at isn't really going to work, but I, I really feel like trying trying to participate and be a part of the solution is really important, um, but... Uh, but I know lots of people who've kind of given, given up on church. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I years ago, I came across a study uh, that uh, was studied the relationship between looking at pornography and um, marital Mm -hmm. uh, sexual marital health. And it turns out that when uh, one partner in a marriage uh, is, uh, is, is addicted to pornography that in the marriage they have less sex, significantly less sex. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of reasons to explain why that might be the case, but I can tell you just by playing it out in my own mind, when all of your needs are being met one place, you don't have to meet them in another. Um, when you spend all of your time listening to Tim Keller sermons and your favorite preacher and your favorite worship and your favorite everything How can we be shocked that we're not satisfied with the local church? Yeah. We are, we are in, in a wake, we have created a system where we are finding all of our needs met by everyone else, except by the people on the ground near us. That's a dangerous system. There is nothing more subversive than listen to Tim Keller. I'm Tim Keller's one of my heroes. Uh, I I, have listened to more Tim Keller sermons. It's just probably just about anybody else, but when my needs are met there i'm pretty judgmental towards the preacher at my church cuz he doesn't match up yeah when i listen to my favorite worship albums the worship team at my church can't live up to it and that are there always prettier preachers and prettier worship everywhere else 100% but that that is dualism that is like that is like i want jesus who wasn't a human. It's like I it's it's like I don't want my wife, I want my favorite porn star. That may be a very crass analogy, yeah. but there is direct parallels to if we're finding all of our needs met somewhere else, not shocking, we're cynical about our local congregation. And let's name it too, Nij. It is a very hard time to be a preacher in this world when people can listen to their favorite preacher all week long. Oh, yeah. So there needs to be tremendous grace. Uh, extended to people that we sit under to learn from and grow from who, by the way, are going to show up and be there when we are in the hospital and our favorite preachers Mm -hmm. online or not. Um, So I can understand how we get cynical and frustrated with our local expressions because they don't live up to uh, these other things. Well, no wonder people that are addicted to porn don't want to have sex inside their marriage, that they are finding their needs met in other glitzier spaces.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're wrapping up here, but I, I want to, um, you know, I use this analogy or, or little little tidbit with my students a lot just because I, I feel like sometimes we forget what church is all about because we deconstruct the different parts of it and then we can find all those parts, or at least we think we can find all those parts elsewhere, music, yeah. sermon, yep. announcements, and so forth. But I remember when, when Martin Luther was translating uh, the, the, the New Testament uh, into German, which was a new thing, uh, because you could only read it in Latin, uh, you know, he, he chose to translate the word church, ecclesia in Greek, as geminda. And there was already a word for church, uh, kirche, and um, it kind of referred to what we think of as the buildings. Um, but he chose geminda, which was uh, equivalent to the English word gathering or community. A community may be the most, uh, the closest thing in English. And that just reminds me again, um, just how we had to do the online thing. Uh, And for shut-ins or people that can't travel, you know, you do your best. Um, But I really appreciated what you just said about like, who's going to be there for you. And just, you know, realizing that church isn't disappointment with a sermon church isn't disappointment with music disappointment necessarily with you know how how the uh programs arranged but it's really um having a community that you journey with together and um having those times where those people are going to be able to carry you along when you're really struggling um who can smell you right yeah that's great yeah absolutely um and so, you know, I just want to speak to those who are struggling with doubt who maybe haven't gone to a church in a year or two because the pandemic, because of everything going on in the country, in the United States, if you're here, um, I just encourage you, uh, find, a, find a group of Christians um, that you can get together with. And maybe it is traumatic for you to step into a church building. I get that. But I encourage you just to find a group of people. I mean, AJ and I sometimes talk about our uh, spiritual director and, you know, it's a Christian thing for us. And that is kind of church to me Mm. (laughs) because we're Christian brothers and we take care of each other and we listen to each other and we pray together and we read scripture together and we meditate. And I get way more out of an hour with my spiritual director than I do out of many church gatherings, even though I'm committed to the church. Um, I encourage you to start small if you're struggling and just find a few people you can get together with, pray, read scripture, uh, with a view towards trying to find a larger community that you can support and minister to and be a part of helping the kids ministry or, uh, you know, helping in various ways with your spiritual gifts. But I just want to encourage you, if you're listening to this, um, start connecting with people. That is so crucial. Pandemic has forced us to isolate so um, I encourage you to make that step of reaching out to a believer in your community or in the way that you do community and be able to start uh, opening yourself up to them and vice versa.
1: Yep. Well,
0: anything, any last words yeah. on that for you, AJ?
1: There was a, there's a thinker, Robert Sherman, whose book, uh, whose work I've, I've read a, a bit of, and he he makes a, a fairly passing comment that I think is very important for our time in history. Um, he, he says, Christianity can survive a post-denominational age, but it cannot survive a post-ecclesial age. And his point is, our denominations, the way we do church is gonna be shaken up. That's okay. It needs to be. And from time to time, God reforms the church. That that needs to happen. But you and I would both sit here and say, yes, but Christianity and the church must go hand in hand. This post-ecclesial, I'm done with church, and I just do sort of my own thing, there are significant downsides to that. Toxicities, problems, issues that we need, we need to be honest about, both biblically, theologically, historically. We, we can survive a post-denominational age, but we cannot survive a post-ecclesial age. We desperately need the church. Yes, the church may change the way it looks, and it may change the way it embodies itself in the world, but we must contend for her. She deserves our attention and our love because for you and me, I don't know about you uh, without the church, I wouldn't be sitting in this room with this podcast right now. Yeah. My, my, my faith would, would not be what it is today. And I, I need the church to hold me, to hold me. And I need to hold her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great conversation, EJ. And and we'll be back for our next episode, but this great encouragement. Yeah. It's a risk, isn't it? To step back into church, but it's also a a glorious risk. It's I, I think, Nijay, I think the church is a little bit like the Narnian closet, Yeah, right? You got to step in, got to yeah. step in. And it's a scary world. It's a world of mystery and excitement, but it's also a world of the witch. But you got to enter in. And for those who are feeling trepidatious, it isn't, it, it is scary, but risk, take a step in the closet.
0: Yeah. yeah. And remember, you know, just last words here, remember the goal isn't to find the perfect place. Uh, the goal is to worship God. And starting with that mindset, um, I think it helps. So, all right. Thanks, AJ.